Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Joe Sands grew up in rural Florida, and this is where she developed her passion for writing. She is an author, a freelance journalist, an entrepreneur, a public speaker, a podcaster, and she serves on several nonprofit boards. She's also the founder and president of her own nonprofit called Joe Sands Voice, Write, Don't Fight Project. And here she works with troubled youth and people who've been involved in domestic violence. So I'm so excited to welcome her to the Storyteller Microphone today. She lives in Georgia now. And Joe Sands, welcome to the Storytellers. Thank you. I wanted to jump right in. I've listened to other interviews that you've done, and you've described yourself as a unicorn. Could you talk to me about that? Uh, well, I, I'm one of those unique individuals. Um, I'm, I've always seemed to have landed in um, non-traditional places and roles. And so throughout my career, yeah, I, I've just named myself the unicorn because usually people see me in places and they're like, what are you doing here? Um, from being in the oil fields in West Texas to managing guys up in North Dakota and then, you know, writing, um, podcasting amongst all of that, you know, my business clients, you know, had no idea about my creative side and my creatives had no idea about my business side. So I am quite the unicorn. Yes, ma'am. So you have many, many facets to you. And one of the things that I feel is a passion for you across the things that you do, however, is really using writing as a healing journey. What was the origin of that? So after the pandemic, um, or let's, let me just back up during the pandemic, um, I think it was a time for everyone to just be still. And for me, um, it was a time for my brain to just um, be on pause and quiet mode. And I really started doing some deep reflection, which I think a lot of us did. And I, one of the things that I found in common in my period of being still and being quiet was that there was a common denominator of all of my different life experiences. And that was, I had either written some type of poem or short story of, or piece of what was going on during my, my um, life at the time. And so I thought, wow, you know, and it was so therapeutic, you know, you go back and you read through those experiences and you're like, wow, during the time that you're writing these, you know, these pieces, um, you don't know what's going to happen on the other side. You don't know what's across the bridge. And so as I sat and I was going through all of my notes and notebooks and journals, I was like, you know, this is pretty incredible. This is pretty amazing. And, and look at me, you know, I made it, I, I made it, I'm here. And um, so I thought, wow, you know, how cool would it be to share this journey and the process itself and how it helped me to um, just kind of elevate um, myself and and just to put myself in a different um, position on my journey, and um, that's where the um, the book came about. The collection of of poems. I was like, you know what? If not now, then when? And so I decided to go for it. Um, 
published a book, my first one, and my little chat book, and I'm just so excited about it. So let's dive right in there. I love that you have a book, and I'm sure there's going to be many more because that creative brain of yours is just going to keep going. But tell us about your book. I love the title. Hold it up. <laughs> okay. Um, so the title is called Emotionally Constipated, and my friends tease me a lot. It's a saying that I, I often use, um, and and people just thought it was, was really funny because, um, like I said, I, um, as women, we're multitaskers by nature. And so a lot of times we don't have time to feel or think or or just, you know, wear your heart on your sleeves because there's so much go. Life is still going on no matter what's going on in your life, whether you're sad or happy, you know, the world is not going to stop on its axis just because you have trauma or, you know, your heart is broken and, or, or your kids are driving you crazy. And so, um, um, emotionally constipated is a term that I use quite a bit, um, to describe, you know, myself and what I'm feeling. And um, so the the purging um, the purging really just came about um, systematically throughout, and I, I didn't even realize it was happening. And like I said, until I started reading through my journals and my notebooks of all these different pieces that I had written during different times in my life, and this is over a span of um, well, I'm telling my age now. So I found poems like since like that I wrote early on when I was like age 19. And if you could talk to your 19-year-old self or read how you were, you know, something from your 19-year-old self, it's it's absolutely amazing because I'm looking and I'm like, wow, I was 19 and this is what I was thinking at 19. This is crazy. You know, what was I thinking? Oh, my goodness. So, you know, now that I'm 48, it's like um, the growth, you know, the, just the growth and the journey, you know, the woman I am now versus the, the wide-eyed 19-year-old naive and thinking everything is blue skies and rainbows, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> well, well, there are definitely gifts to the aging process. Right? <laughs> yes, to, yes. To, talk to, your, to talk to that younger self and also to envision yourself as you move forward on your journey. Why poetry? That I find it fascinating. You and I have some common friends, um, Will Nona and Jade, and they're such impressive poets. And I think there was a period in my time where I wrote poetry. I'm sure it was horrible poetry, but it got to it, it. It helped me deal with my teenage angst and my young adult angst in a way that I think prose doesn't. But why poetry for you, and why poetry in today's society? Do you think? Um, poet, well, one um, people's attention span is very short nowadays. You know, we are of such a digital age that I call this the microwave age, and we want things short, quick, to the point. The one thing that I um, I noticed about poetry, anytime I'm going through something and I just want to get it out of my head really quickly, I don't have time to construct an outline um, and then go back and fill everything in and put it into chapters with, it's almost like um, when you're painting, you know, abstracting, you can just throw colors on a board or throw it on a canvas. That's how poetry is for me. I can just take what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and just throw it on a piece of paper um, really quickly. And then it's just like, boom you know, you, you see the results and um, that's why, and, and I can go ahead and get it out relatively, get the thoughts out relatively quickly. And there, the beauty of poetry is you don't have to 
have any type of specific um, framework, you know, it, it's pretty much, you know, like I, the um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And, and some poems are like that. You can just put them out there and it doesn't have to be constructed in a certain way. Or um, of course, you know, you want rhythmic timing, depending on what you're writing. Sometimes there is no rhythm and there is no rhyme. It's just, this is how I'm feeling. Let me get it out. Let me put it out. It doesn't matter how dirty it is or how, or how clean, or if my, I mean, of course, when you go back and put it in a book, you want to edit and make sure your spellings are correct and your abbreviations and all that good stuff. But when you're initially putting those feelings on paper, um, the raw emotion comes out when you can just go ahead and get it out while you're processing. And then you can go back and read. And it, for me, it just kind of guides me through the process of what I'm going through at the time. Do you then do, say, a first draft and then rework it? Or what is that process like versus, you, you know, when I write, I, I do, I think it's a final draft, but it's never a final draft when I keep rewriting. Usually, what is that process? Usually my process is um, whatever is in my head, I go ahead and put it on paper. And then I'll go back not necessarily in that moment. Usually I'll go back weeks later, sometimes months later. And, and then I'll go back and rework for any type of, you know, rhythmic errors or, um, you know, any type of spelling corrections or anything like that. And, and to see if what my thought is, is really coming across, if it's really coming across to the reader, which is mainly myself, um, but to do the book, of course, you want to go back. I had to go back through, rework a few pieces so that, you know, they made sense to the reader, but um, still have that raw emotion in there, which, you know, it, it, I never realized how vulnerable you feel when you're writing, especially yes. like your personal feelings. You feel so vulnerable. You know, we're already, creators are, all, are already sensitive about their work, you know, but to write, um to write about emotions and experiences for me, because I am a very private person. And so when it comes to anything dealing with relationships, most people have no idea. They just, you know, I'm just Joe. I, I am just Joe. And so to hear that, hey, you know, your heart's been broken, you've been divorced, you've had, you know, traumas and, and, and you've made mistakes and you've had relationship issues. When people read that, they're like, wow, you like, I would have never thought that, but what's crazy is we help others to see that, you know what, no matter what you go through, there is life on the other side and you can get through it. So even though I'm, you know, I'm crazy, funny, you know, I'm the girl next door, best friend, girl, I know what you're going through. <laughs> and I think you're so right. For me, writing is the most naked thing that I do that it is so hard initially to use, for example, beta readers to just open up your writing like that. Do you use any sort of sounding boards before you go to a publication? Um, I had a few sounding boards um, with this book. And of course, they were very surprised. They were like, oh my goodness, is that you? Like, did you really go through that? Or or did that really happen to you? Um, so, and then, and there are some things like, you know, you're, you're really 
you know, I'm really cognizant about making sure that whatever I write, I try not hurt or harm anyone else in the process. So like you said, it is a very raw, naked process. It, it really is. So my, my next one, of course, is fiction. <laughs> but I, I will continue to do and put out more poetry. Um, but it is, like you said, it's so, um, it's, it's, it's almost scary, you know? When, when oh, it is. It, it, it is. <laughs> and I, I did. My nerves were shot <laughs> with this process. <laughs> Excuse me. But yes, your next book, talking about scary, though, is a romantic thriller, I think. Yes, it, it's a romantic thriller. Um, I keep changing the name of it. But um, Breed, it, it's really a, I, I was actually watching a television show and, um, you know, we were going through a period of having all these shows come out like 12 Years a Slave, Django, um, bringing back, you know, the the feelings and, and the history of the Deep South. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, what if someone, because of love, entered into the bonds of slavery or allowed themselves to be enslaved for love? And so there's this story that comes about. And of course, there's a curse that comes about, which there's a thriller in that. Um, and it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, I, I don't want to give too much, but I can't wait to finish it because it has a life of its own now. It's it's um, I, I never really thought about writing um, a historical piece, but it's begun and, and it totally has a life of its own. And I remember talking to Bonet and she... Um, she said, you know, when you write, it's kind of like giving birth. You, It just has to happen organically. Don't rush it. Let your characters continue to develop and take on a life of their own. Um, when she came out with her first book, Whispers, you know, I asked her about the process and she was like, you know, yes, it just, it has to happen organically. Don't rush it. You know, don't rush to try to finish it this year. If you don't finish till next year, it's okay. And, um, yeah, we're talking about Bonet Bartron, who yes. is uh, a mutual friend of both of ours, and she's absolutely amazing. Uh, Whispers is a phenomenal book, and she's also a screenwriter and director and such a powerhouse of a woman uh, out in Hollywood, and I, I look forward to her creating more and more works. And I totally agree with her on the idea, and I tell this to other authors as well, that when you have a book inside of you, it is as if you were pregnant. You don't have a choice. That book, that's when you know that you're the writer. When that book has to come out, there's there's right. no, you, you are not complete until you have birthed that book. What happens on the other side of that birthing process is different, <laughs> but I, I agree with you entirely and Bonet as well. You also do work with at-risk youth and other people who have been victims of domestic violence. Talk to us a little bit about that. So the initiative of the Joseph's Boys Right Don't Fight project, um, I was actually talking with um, the girls, the ladies, um, Jade and Winona, and they introduced me to a wonderful um, young lady, Monica Thornton, who is... Um, she works with, she's one of the founders of um, Beautiful Beginnings. It's a nonprofit that works with um, victims of domestic violence. And one of the things that I thought was really fascinating when she talked about, um, because when we think of domestic violence, we just think about women a lot of times, um, but there are also men and then there are children who are affected by domestic violence. Um, I also um, have been in talks with the Wren's Nest there in Atlanta. They have a scribes program that also uh, is 
tailored around young people writing stories. But what I was really interested in was whether or not they had a writing initiative to help kind of get those feelings out on paper. And so um, they did not. And that's something that we're currently in the works with. And not only being able to put those stories on paper and those experiences that will help others to kind of transition and process, but because of the indie network that we're in, being able to, because I'm also an audiobook narrator, being able to take some of these stories and put them in audio form. Um, like you said, we know producers, but just being able to put them in other formats other than just being buried in an anthology. So that is the initiative of the Josanne's Voice Write on Fight. Oh, I think that writing saves so many of us. So I'm so glad you're involved in that uh, piece of your work. Let's switch just briefly to your voiceover work. I'm very excited <laughs> about that because particularly we were talking about COVID just a moment ago, but the voice books, the audiobooks have exploded during COVID when people may not have had enough of an attention span or they were out walking. So how did that happen for you? And what do you love and or what are you challenged? So before I moved um, back to Georgia, I was in um, Dallas about five years ago. Um, my son had finished college, gone on to play basketball overseas. And you know how you you have that empty nesting feeling and, you know, I was like, you know, I, I've always been told that I had a nice, soothing voice. Let me try to go and see what I could do with it. I started taking um, classes at um, Voices Carry there in Dallas, and um, that was really wonderful experience. And then I ended up taking a long-form narration workshop with C.J. Critt, who is an amazing audiobook narrator. And the bug, it just hit me. Like, she was just phenomenal. She... Um, voiced a lot of the um, Judy Blooms, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, she's done so much. Um, it, so she, um, just working with her, because she's my private coach as well, and um, she hooked me up and introduced me to a studio there in Atlanta, um, Lantern Audio. And so I've been very fortunate to have um, done, you know, several projects with them as well as some on my own. And it, it's been an amazing experience, you know, the technique behind it, you know, the, it's work. It is serious work, I must tell you, it's work. But it, it's so fun being able to take an author's words and it's like painting a, painting on a canvas. You're taking their words and you're trying to um, utilize them to tell their story in the best way possible. It is such hard work. When my novel, The Eves, came out, many people had said, oh, it should be an audiobook." And because I do the radio shows and I do voiceovers for others, they said, oh, you should just do your own. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I couldn't get past the first page without stumbling <laughs> over and over again and trying to decide on inflection. So I love that you shared that you actually went to school to do this. You took courses, you took workshops, and it's still, it's incredibly hard. Yes, it is. And but you know, um, for me, um, taking the classes and doing the workshops and just getting extra training is mainly to honor the craft. I believe anytime you enter into a new arena, you have to honor not only the craft, but the people who have gone on before you to take the time to learn about your mic, learn positioning, learn inflection. Um, there, there are so many little techniques um, 
to the craft. It, we'll never know it all, but um, it, it was eye-opening for me because there were certain comfort zones and comfort levels that I had that I had to get out of because you are voice acting and um, being able to execute <laughs> and and do it in such a way that um, you know you bring the best performance possible. And it's funny you mentioned that because one of the, the themes, the underlying themes that I hear um, is if you write a book, you should not narrate your own book. You should get someone else to do right. it. I've, I've been asked constantly, are you, are you going to narrate your book? Are you going to turn it into an audio, audio book? Someone else will read it. I will not read this. Right. I will not do it. Yes. Um, it's, it's just different because in your ear, when you write it, there's a certain sound that you have. When someone else brings that story to life, it just has a whole new vibe and a whole new feel. And it's pretty cool, too, to see someone else's taken point of view. Absolutely. Joe Sands, I could not thank you more to, um, than just that you were with us today. Um, any closing comments you have for any of our watchers or listeners? Oh, man. Um, keep growing. Keep writing. Keep learning. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's such an amazing outlet and I'm just so happy to be a part of your show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. This has been a copyrighted episode of the storytellers by Grace Salmon and authors on the air global radio network. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of the storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode, because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.